suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Welcome back, dear listener. This is episode 210 of the Iron Fist Velvet Glove podcast. Uh, This is an Australian podcast where we look at news and politics, religion and sex and all the sorts of things that you're not supposed to talk about in a dinner party. There's normally a panel of uh, three white privileged males solving the problems of the world. And tonight is a little bit different because I'm down the Gold Coast. I've got people hooked up by Skype. Uh, Paul's internet connection is a mouse running on a wheel and just wasn't running hard enough to generate a sufficient feed. So Paul, the 12th man, cannot be with us. But uh, uh, Scott, the Velvet Glove, you're on the line, I think, Scott. G'day, Trevor. G'day, all listeners. How are you all? Hopefully they're all well. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Because you know, skyping from a remote location uh, just didn't have enough degree of difficulty. I decided to invite some patrons onto the podcast, and uh, the first of those <laughs> is Dom, who's been with us before. Welcome aboard, Dom. Thank you, and hello, Trevor. Hello, Scott. Um, G'day, Dom. How are you? So, so good, good. Thank you. So, Dom's been with us before, and he's going to chime in with a few comments, and also joining us. From Japan is Ayame. Welcome aboard, Ayame. Thanks, Trevor. It's good to be here. Yep. So Ayame's uh, in a restaurant somewhere in Japan, and he's going to mute and unmute his um, microphone and join us. So who knows, dear listener, where this will end up. Um, But you're in safe hands. This is an experienced podcast. We've been doing this for four years. We've just had our anniversary, Scott. Four years, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So... Yeah. yeah, four years, 210 episodes, and uh, going stronger than ever, <coughs> I think. So, who knows? This episode might be the death of us. We'll see, but we'll work hard. <laughs> Just as a little aside, Scott, um, like our first podcast was on the 4th of July. So, and of course, American... Yeah, in- American Independence Day. Mm. And um, do, do you know why... The anniversary when my brother-in-law met my sister. Right. And... The better half's birthday. Right. Yep. I was, I was listening to a podcast because the traditional thought of, uh, you know, the sort of freedom-fighting rebels of the U.S. Revolution with the with the Boston Tea Party when they threw the tea into the harbour um, because they were protesting against um, taxes that were being imposed by the British and they said, you know, no tax without representation. That's the sort of that's the sort of traditional view of of uh, the revolution was a was a revolution against tax, and I was listening to a podcast by um, you ever listened to Malcolm um, Gladwell, uh, revisionist history. You ever listened to that one? No, I've never listened to it. Mm. Highly yeah. recommend it, dear listener. Go and look at uh, revisionist history, and he tells a story which was basically that uh, the British had imposed taxes on tea. And there were smugglers who were bypassing the system and getting 
tea into the US at cheaper price and making a fortune. And that the British then lowered the rate of tax such, such that it, it became uh, the same price, the legitimate item, as the smuggled item. And that the revolution was actually started by the smugglers who were trying to protect their turf. Really? Mm. So, ah, so, that right? so that's a full, a full story of that on his. Um, Dom, Dom, in the uh, before recording, uh, one of the topics you mentioned was you're kind of in agreement where I've been railing against the US in recent times. Is that true? Oh, that's true. I, I agree with you. It, and it, um, what I really think is that, and you probably think the same thing, is that, you know, if someone's going to self-impose and be the policeman of the world, you think they have to act impeccably, wouldn't you, instead of, um, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You would think so. But, um, you know, I guess it's it's the media that we're fed that still paints the US as the good guy and... I've actually got a... a uh... Yeah, but don't you think... I, I, this is something that I've always thought, is that the Yanks mightn't be perfect, but they're a hell of a lot better than the alternative. And I would much rather be Washington's lapdog than Jakarta's or Beijing's lapdog, you know? Yeah, that, that... And that is, that, is the, that is the whole point. Um, I agree that we are America's lapdog. There's no doubt about that. I agree that the Yanks have done some very questionable stuff in the foreign policy. I don't know enough about South America, except I know that it was an absolute disaster. The Yanks have intervened there and they have fucked it up, to be frank. And they have got things wrong where they've gone in with their political uh, blinkers on first, where they've removed left-wing governments and they have stuffed it up when they've gone in there. So that's where, you know, and that, that's where I'm coming from as I just think to myself, you know, they aren't, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they are preferable to the alternative. Look, where we're forced to choose sides, um, we'll be tempted to join sides with the Americans because, you know, if, if there's a big battle and there needs to be a winner, we want them rather than, as you say, Tehran, for example. But just there's lots of occasions where we don't have to pick sides, where we don't, you know, we can just say to Americans, as a friend would say to another friend, you're being dickheads, stay out of this. Stop doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's, and I, it's, I agree. And, so, that, and that is the whole point. I remember Kim Beasley, when he was opposition leader, he was railing against Australia's involvement in the second Iraq war. Now, what he said was, he said, you know, you should be using the friendship, the, the special relationship that you have with the Americans to advise them, don't do this, mm. you know, and that is the whole point. I don't think Australia did that. It, or if Australia did do it, we certainly didn't, didn't do it forcefully enough and we ended up, we ended up backing the whole thing. We went in the, in the whole thing with them. It, it, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Anyway. Ayame, have you been keeping up with, uh, with our, our battles over the US and 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 my debates with the 12th man at all? Uh, not really. Right. But I don't think they should be going to Iran just because they destroyed a drone. Right. No, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I mean, it was a drone that was invading the sovereign airspace of another country. Of course they shot it down. You know, they were just behaving exactly the way a sovereign nation would. You know, it makes no sense whatsoever that the Yanks would actually say they're going to use this as a as a as a 
pretense for war. It makes no sense whatsoever. Mm. You know, it, it's it, it really was bloody criminally stupid of them that they would even consider an attack when a drone was shot down in Iranian airspace. Scott, did you know yes. that the British Royal Marines seized an Iranian oil tanker in Gibraltar? No, I didn't know that. Hmm. You never hear about it. When did they do that? Uh, just a week or so ago on a Thursday. Because right. because the Iranian oil tanker was trying to take oil to Syria, allegedly in violation of EU sanctions. So the US said to the British, go and seize that Iranian oil tanker. And they did. It's <laughs> it, it's just piracy. Yeah. Like, like who, it's an EU sanction, but it's not an Arab sanction. It's nothing to do with, you know, e, the EU can't tell everybody what to do in terms of sanctions, but the US just said no. to Britain, go and take that oil tanker like a Somali pirate would. And they mm. did. So mm. what what are the Iranians doing in response? They're threatening to seize a British oil tanker if, yeah. if the British don't release the Iranian oil tanker. Yeah, it's going to end up being tit for tat and all that sort of stuff, and then they'll, then some idiot will start shooting, and the next thing you know, it'll end up be it'll end up in, devolving into a war. Mm. You know, apparently, and, and you know, this has got Saudi Arabia's fingerprints all over it because the, you know <laughs> they want the Yanks to go in there and deal with their problem, and they don't want to get their hands dirty on it. Yeah. You know, because if the Yanks go in there, and if if the Yanks go in there, I think the war will be over within. A month or two, but you know you're then going to end up with a Sharia version of Islamic State and all that sort of stuff that'll end up fighting, and it'll just be a nightmare, you know. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that the best way we've got to maintain relationship with Iran, we've got to keep talking to them, so that we don't have this nonsense just blowing up in our faces. We we had some good yeah. good feedback. From the last episode, whenever there's a bit of a debate, we get good feedback with people taking sides. So, Dom, do you enjoy the heated, well, not heated or warmish debates when they arise over over obscure topics? I love it. <laughs> I just worry that you'll never get together again because you'll be over because you get so passionate about it. <laughs> uh, actually, we haven't come to blows, and we're still good friends at the end of it. And um, no, it, no, nobody's taken it too seriously at a personal level. But, yeah, we enjoy it as well when it – because, quite honestly, we just don't know when it's going to erupt either. Like, just uh, – yeah, sometimes I just think uh, I'll talk about a topic and, of course, the guys are going to agree with me and we'll quickly move on to another one. And then 40 minutes later, we're still talking about it. So, it, <laughs> it is funny. So, you know, the 12th man's not here to defend himself, but um, – uh, uh, so anyway, I'm sure he'll be listening tomorrow, and he can get he can yeah, come back to us on yeah. next week. Yeah. So on this topic, I've got some links, dear listener, in the show notes. Uh, I've got one called "When Will Americans Realize We're Not the Good Guys?" and it's a good summary of U.S. aggression and hypocrisy. So good reading there. Uh, remember on incarceration, where the twelfth man was talking about how in Iran they, you know incarcerate people for not wearing a headscarf, for example, and I was saying how, you know, well, the US incarcerates people for all sorts of reasons as well. Well, an interesting article came across my uh, laptop the other day. In the US, there was a, a pregnant woman who was shot and 
the, yeah. pers- the person who this shot like her, criminal. the person who shot her, uh, got off because of uh, either self-defense or provocation or something. And then the system, the prosecutors, tried to charge the pregnant w- woman for being shot and for endangering her own child. <laughs> And eventually the charges were dropped, but they actually charged a, a pregnant woman with some sort of manslaughter charge for being shot at. Uh, it, it's bloody criminal, isn't it? Mm. So you know, it's th- this was in Alabama, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, that, that's the whole point. They're trying to make a miscarriage a potentially criminal act. Yeah. You know. And then you've got this whole bloody thing blowing up where you've got someone getting shot and then the whole thing ends up being a criminal act. It makes no sense. Yeah. So um, so uh, I got uh, some good messages from people. Let me see. Well, actually, we had a new patron. I picked up a new patron. Um, G'day, Trevor. The guilt of enjoying the podcast had finally got to me and I signed up to Patreon specifically to support you guys. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Chalky. P.S. I'm a Trevor fanboy. Good on you, Chalky. <laughs> and we also, I also got a lovely message from Donna, who was basically siding with me in my uh, arguments with the 12th man. But uh, to counter that, um, we got a voicemail message, and uh, I'll play this one now. Hopefully, this comes through the system and you can hear it. So I'll just play this now. Father Anonymous here. Fist, glove. Congratulations on four years of entertaining and informative podcasts. Twelfth man. I fear it not for your wise counsel, your comrades would have argued in ever-decreasing circles until eventually disappearing up their own. Amen. <laughs> That's the bloke that did the uh, podcast prayer, isn't it? It is. It's Father... He's, he's, we know... We've got a name for him now. He's, he's Father Anonymous now, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Father Anonymous. Um all right, uh, Yame, you live in Japan. Any, you know, what's do you get a feel for the Japanese view of America's role in the world? Are they getting a bit tired of their interference, or are they in such a precarious spot there, being so close to China that that they sort of happy to accept a lot of nonsense? Do any any feelings about about that? Well. <clears throat> I can't read enough Japanese to read the newspaper, so I don't know what what the situation is. Right. Or the lo- local atmosphere. Right. Okay. So, uh, change of topic. Uh, Dom Ayame and Scott. The Religious Freedom Act, the Religious Discrimination Act, whatever it's going to be called. Uh, there's the beating of the drums in the jungle. Um, forces are being marshaled, and. Uh, we're about to have some hefty debating about it. And, Scott, you came across some news about something happening next week with the National Mm. Secular Lobby. National Secular Lobby is debating the ACL in Canberra, uh, July 17, I believe. Mm. Yeah. They are, it's it, it's worth sticking the, the note on your fridge anyway to let you know that it's coming up. Um, I'll set the record on it and I'll have a look at that night. But... Um, it ought to be very interesting. Now, Chris Schott is the senator, is a former senator who's actually representing the National Secular Lobby. 
So hopefully he takes the gloves off and lands a few decent ones on the bastards. So anyway, yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah. So um, I got a lovely phone call from the NSL today, Scott, saying that as part of the deal they get a table and I'm invited uh-huh. to. I'm invite, I've got an invite to get to, to sit at the table, but there's one problem. I have to fly myself down there, <laughs> and I can't afford it. <laughs> It's too much. It's it's expensive to fly to Canberra, and um, yeah, it to, is. To, yeah, to fly in and out for one lunch uh, just is a bit beyond it. So, uh, but that was nice of them to um, absolutely to, to make the offer. So, I put him in contact with you. Remember um, our friend, the humanist chaplain? Um, yes, yes. I remember. Yeah. I remember that he lived in Canberra. So, I think he's going to get an invite, and uh, um, we might get him to report back on. Um, how it all went from from inside the room. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scott Scomo was mm. it was it Hillsong? Yeah, I know he was praying for Australia and praying for all of us. I suppose. So, yeah. You know, it, it, it's uh, I, I. You know, fair enough. He's a Christian and all that sort of thing. But you would have thought that he would keep his prayers private. But if he's not going to keep them private. Why the hell would he pray with someone that's um, being investigated by the cops? You know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's still under investigation, Brian Houston, or or I can't. It's still. It's un- I can't recall. I thought it was because um, because his father was was his uh, father was charged, wasn't he? Uh, I can't remember exactly, Scott. But and and the, mm-hmm. the allegation was Brian didn't sort of reveal everything he might have known. Um, it wasn't as helpful as he could have been. So, anyway, um, so there's Scott Morrison at a Hillsong conference praying away. Uh, I saw some of it where he said that um, he believed religious freedom would be secured for Christians in the future, but what Australia really needed was more love. <laughs> and, and the yeah, other- I've no doubt, but, you know, if, if he wants to talk about love, then he ought to be thinking about the whole bloody thing that you know how much love is israel for showing us yeah you know yep uh the other thing he said was that we we pray lord that you will break the curse of suicide because he was talking about youth suicide but we pray lord that you will break the curse of suicide this is the danger of religious fanatics in that in that they think it's up to god to somehow have a role in fixing a social problem. That's the worry about these guys. Yeah, it is. It's a hell of a worry because you know they honestly believe that they honestly believe that just by sitting there saying a few magical words, mm. that God is going to intervene and and make life so much better for us all. Yep. It's just crazy that you've got this situation that you know it's yeah. It, it, I know. Trump and all that sort of stuff got photographed with them all laying their hands on him and all that sort of shit in the Oval Office, but I don't think he actually believes any of it, you know? No, he doesn't. No, he's just... He doesn't, you know. He's just pandering to his base. Yeah. Um, Mike Pence does believe in it, though, but, you know, that's, that's a different story. Mm. Um, you know, it's just really very embarrassing that we've got a PM that actually believes it all and believes so hard, hard 
fervently in it, that's all. Yeah, yeah. It, it has some yeah. real real consequences when you think that the Lord will break the curse of suicide. It just sort of makes you think, well, perhaps we don't need to do too much about it ourselves. And same with uh, the theory on global warming. A lot of these um, new age sort of Christians believe that the end of the world is nigh and there's no point in um, keeping the world clean because we'll all be vacating it shortly uh either to heaven or hell and um wh why bother is sort of one of the you know the sort of statistics show that yeah exactly that, and, and that, that, that is a real worry that you've got a group of christians that actually believe that you shouldn't do anything on climate change because jesus is coming back yeah yeah so it's a great way isn't it it's a great way to to both sound like you're doing something and not and make few hundred thousand, a few million people really happy and thinking of doing something about it at the same time. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, now, Trevor once posted something on Facebook that really brought a big smile to my face. It's a, um, it said prayer. It said something along the lines of prayer, uh, the thing you do when you don't really want to do anything, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a good cop out. Um, so, okay, so here we've got, you know, the lead up to this religious Freedom Act or Religious Discrimination Act is that, you know, religious groups are persecuted. And so we're presenting some evidence, dear listener, that no, they're not persecuted at all. And Exhibit A was Scott Morrison at a Hillsong conference praying, praying his heart out. I mean, that the, the Prime Minister of this country is a Pentecostal Christian, the most powerful man in the country. Uh, is a fervent Christian, it's hard to argue that Christians are There's persecuted. There's any sort of persecution going on. When the most powerful yeah. men... Now, arguably, Scott, according to the Constitution, who would be the other most powerful person in the country? Probably the Governor-General. Mm. And remember we spoke a few weeks ago, like, who is he? What's he like? We didn't really know. Yeah. Mm. I came across an article... Uh, good God. <laughs> are you sitting down? <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting down. Yeah. Good, good. So, uh, is Australia's new Governor General just another pale, stale, military male, like his detractors argue? Or is he the only choice worth choosing, as is Prime Minister Scott Morrison's opinion? Born in Wollongong, Mr. Hurley graduated from Duntree Military College in 1975, narrowly missing the Vietnam War. He was raised an Anglican, while wife Linda is a Presbyterian. They started dating in 1976. They both keep fit. Mrs Hurley hula hoops while reading the Bible every morning. But it is oh, their... God. But it is... But it is... I'll repeat that. Mrs Hurley hula hoops while reading the Bible every morning. But it is, it is their faith, they say, that binds them. <laughs> I think that so there we go. Uh, that's our our Governor General. That was our Prime Minister. We've just had a swearing in ceremony um, of uh, the new Parliament and of the lower house seats. Um, Thirty seven MPs made an affirmation compared to one hundred and fourteen who swore on religious texts. So thirty seven to one hundred and fourteen. And in the Senate, there were 25 oaths and 15 affirmations. So clearly, 
if you're just, you know, working off affirmations and swearings as an indication of religiosity, uh, the parliament stacked. Uh, the, the, there was one exception to that, Scott. <laughs> Tim Wilson. Yeah. Did Tim Wilson? Did you hear? Did you hear this one, Dom, about Tim Wilson? No, no idea. Okay, so federal Liberal MP Tim Wilson. He didn't swear on the Bible. He sent. He set a new benchmark for originality. Uh, holding a copy of Milton Friedman's Capitalism and Freedom as he affirms <laughs> as he affirmed his allegiance to the Queen. I think that's worse. I would rather my parliamentarian swear on the Bible than to swear on anything written by Milton Friedman. Like what? What's wrong with Milton Friedman? Milton Friedman is the architect of neoliberal. I know, I know he's the architect of neoliberalism and all that sort of shit. I was just trying to get a rise out of him, that's all. Um, that's the guy responsible yeah. for the whole Chicago economics theory. He's responsible for Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, and he's responsible Actually, for, thought, for, for Chile. I I thought Laffer Laffer was more responsible for Margaret Thatcher and um, Ronald Reagan. Well, well, it's all with the um, with the whole tax cuts and all that sort of shit. Trickle down yeah. economics was his fault, wasn't it? He's he's part of the same cabal. That's true. But yeah, um, okay. yeah. so uh, so yeah, Tim Wilson uh, swore his allegiance to the Queen on a copy of Milton Friedman's Capitalism and Friedman and Freedom. So <laughs> yeah. Dom, have we become too well? Have I become too left wing economically on this podcast, or because I know hey, we started before off, we oh. before we leave this whole thing about Christian persecution? I think oh, okay. Tim Costello had a very good point. He said Christians need to calm down and suck it up over alleged persecution. You know, now this is a guy who's the uh, former head of uh, what's it called the um, World uh, Foreign Aid World Vision. That's it. Yes, thank you, Dom. And um, he's also a Baptist minister. So he said that there is no such thing as Christian persecution. I don't think there is a risk of persecution. Christians need to calm down, Costello said. Anyway, mm. that's just uh, a bit but, from The Guardian. Okay, thank you. That's, yeah. so, no worries. I'll start again. No, no, you're right. Dom, <laughs> clearly over the time we've, we've transgressed into some left-wing socialist ideas with um, the universal basic income and things like that. How, how, how are you feeling about those topics? No, I absolutely love it. And um, the lady you had on there a few weeks ago was fantastic because I'd actually been listening, I think we might have been on Joe Rogan's podcast because somebody was talking a little bit against a, a universal basic income because it produces the opposite effect as intended. But she was very clear and very well spoken. Yes. And um, we, we need to go more left-wing in, in the economy side of it anyway, not, not, not so much with everything, but... Um, yeah, why shouldn't we have something like she laid out there? It was perfectly feasible. Yeah, there's more than enough money to go around. Yep, yep. So it's it's the taxing uh, of capital wealth that's. What's the Iyamo think? Mm. Iyamo, are you there? Um, <clears throat> speaking of religious freedom, a Satanist group in the United States took advantage of that to give an invocation. A lot of Christians walked out. But it still made quite an impact. Yeah. <laughs> personally, I think we're gonna need mm. uh, personally, um, if I was a doctor, I'd say 
I have a sincere religious belief that coalition voters are the scum of the earth <laughs> and that I will, not, I will not be giving life-saving heart surgery to any of them. And I will also use that excuse to remove all their names from transplant lists. Uh, well, actually, that's a little bit harsh. Yeah, <laughs> actually, we we came up with a theory on transplants, uh, Scott. Do you remember that one? Is this what Singapore had done? Uh, I can't. What was what? What has Singapore done with transplants? Singapore Singapore had said that if you at twenty one you get a letter from the Singaporean government saying if you wish no long if you wish not to be a transplant if you wish not to be a donor, that's no problem. But you go further down the waiting list. Yes. Yep. That was that. Yeah. That was the sort of theory that um, mm. sign this document and be a donor. Otherwise, if you need a donation, you're way down the bottom of the list. Last one. So I thought that was a good, absolutely a good move by Singapore. What, how do you think of that one, Ayama? Is that is that a reasonable compromise on on transplants? Yes, I think that's an excellent policy. Yeah. <clears throat> if you're not willing to give up your kidneys, you don't deserve anyone else's. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Um, speaking of um, left-wing socialist ideas, uh, tax cuts. Um, they got through the Senate since we last spoke, Scott, and yeah. the vote was 56 to 9. The only ones who voted against tax cuts for people earning $180,000 were the Greens. And you've poo-pooed mm -hmm. the Greens in the past. You must have... I have poo-pooed the Greens, and I maintain that they still should be poo-pooed all the time. Right. Um, it's... Um, it just bloody... It, it makes no sense that the Labor Party didn't put up a fight. Yep. I don't understand why the hell they didn't put up a fight. They should have fought against this, and they should have voted... Because, you know, the, the whole thing was they were going to go through because the crossbench had already made the decision that they're going to go through. Yep. So... You couldn't even, you know, they couldn't have been targeted by the government saying you were the bastards that stopped you handing out $1,080 to the low-income earners, yep. blah, 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 blah. They should have just stood their ground and said, no, not with this third tranche. You know, had they have done that, then they would have had a lot more respect in the community. But I, I just don't think they've got any respect, actually. You know, we try and keep tabs of what's happening on in the world, and I haven't heard a, co a coherent argument from them explaining why they did that. I just don't get it. If you're supposed to be a party representing the working man, then I, I just don't get it. How can you agree to uh, such a flat rate tax system operating? Well, you've only got three rates of tax. You've got twenty nine percent up to forty five grand, and then you've got uh, 30 percent up to $200,000, yep. and then after that you end up at 45% or something like that. Yeah, so it's treating people on on 45,000 will have the same marginal tax rate as people on 180 or whatever it is. So mm -hmm. um, funnily enough, if you ask people in the street what do they think, n nobody wants this. Well, the, the vast majority. So there was a, a poll from Essential Report that said, to what extent do you agree or disagree with the following statements? And one of the statements was, um, a $95 billion tax cut for high-income earners will make it impossible for government to deliver essential services. And 57% of people agree with that. 25% disagree and 18 don't know. So, 
there, there are a bunch of other questions in there which clearly indicated that people don't agree with these tax cuts, but we've got them anyway. Like, the question is, how come we're getting them if nobody wants them? This is the thing that was raised this morning on the 7am program when I was listening to that. It's... It doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense because exactly the same question was asked of, oh, I can't remember the, the Saturday paper correspondent that they were interviewing. Um, Mike Second, is it? Anyway, couldn't recall. It's, and he said, well, you've got one or two choices. Either the government is stuck with this whole trickle-down economics or they're just governing for the rich. Yeah, I think, and I think it's, I think it could be one of the, it could be both of those things. Actually, I think they could be still wedded to trickle down economics, or they are just governing for the rich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a bit of a long clip, but um, I quite like this clip from George Carlin. So bear with me, uh, or bear with us, dear listener. It's a little bit of a long one, but I think he nails it. So I'll just play this for you, dear listener. The next clip contains some colourful and profane language. So if any kids, sir. Listening, you might want to fast forward a few minutes. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks. And it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big, wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. (laughs) What they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security. Security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hardworking people. White collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hardworking people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck 
fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all, at all, at all. Yeah. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. So uh, I'll insert a language warning before that clip. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, I love obviously, Carolyn, he was so yeah, he was so to the point on many things. Obviously, he was talking about the American situation, and I would disagree that that transfers to Australia in terms of the judiciary. I believe our judiciary here is is independent, um, but certainly not the case in America, uh, where, where it's been politicised. Um, but um, yeah, a lot of that would apply here. And when we're wondering why did the Labor opposition support these tax cuts, I think there was a few answers in George Carlin's uh, statement there. Ayame, um, got any comments? I think the reason why the rich keep getting tax cuts is because the poor are seen as expendable. If um, Let's just use a very depressing example. Let's assume that a six-year-old girl working in a Nike factory dies because she can't afford food. Mm. Well, the factory will just find someone else. So to them, it's not a big loss. Yep. Yep. And, and I did hear a theory that in olden days, uh, where you had um, nobility and, you'd, and, and you know empires would go to war, needing a lot of foot soldiers, you basically had to look after your working class and have them well-fed and well-muscled because they were needed for fighting wars. But we're increasingly getting to the stage where uh, you don't need big troops and you just need uh, high-tech weapons. And uh, so, yeah, another reason why it's not so necessary to uh, keep keep the, uh, the working class in good health. Yeah. It's depressing. That one there's for all the Stephen Pinker fans out there. So it is very depressing, actually, if you just mention it like that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on, let's just see what else I've got here. Um, well, part of this whole argument was that um, they talk about aspiration, and um, yeah, but aspiration. You know, uh, sorry, I'll shut up. Go on. Well. <laughs> Anthony Albanese was saying that somebody on 200000 a year is aspirational and not necessarily wealthy. Well, it's utter crap. I mean, I don't earn anywhere near that amount of money, and I'm in the top 12% of the population when it comes to income. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's utter crap that you can actually – I can't believe Albanese could say that with a straight face. I know, and uh, Jim Chalmers agreed yeah. that a worker on 200000 a year was not the top end of town. <sighs> Meanwhile, you know, the Bureau of Statistics, there's various ways these things get measured, but the medium weekly pay, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, is just over $1,000 a week. So the median is when you line up all of the workers from richest to poorest and, and pluck out the person who's right in the middle, 
that's a pretty fair way of gauging, uh, you know, the average Aussie, I think, in terms of income. And it's just over a thousand a week. So clearly, you know, part of the problem is that there are some, you know, uh, truck drivers in the mining industry, um, uh, you know, in, in, certainly in the certain mining sectors, jobs that were traditionally seen as working class, either as an electrician or a truck driver or some sort of manual task, could be on 200000 And they're sort of reluctant to say that that sort of person is wealthy. But clearly you are. Like, you just can't mince around it. You have to say, if you're a Labor Party leader, that somebody on 200000 a year is top end. They clearly exactly. are. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on that, um, Ayame? Um, yeah, I think if you, if you have enough for a huge widescreen TV, then you're, you're wealthy because you don't really need to work. You can live on your savings for the rest of your life. Well, you, you probably, uh, I'd say there'd be a lot of poor people with a, a large flat screen TV, but, but I think it, I think you need a bit more than that. But um, two hundred thousand a year is a lot of money, and um, you're, you're doing it's well a in our society. Cash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Cam, one of our listeners, sent me some statistics, which was about household income and household wealth, and look, it's really small on the screen that I'm looking at. But basically, this is on household income rather than just individuals, but. The top 20% um, earned 48% of all income. But when it came to wealth and ownership of assets, the top 20% owns 62% of all wealth. So this is an example where uh, the wealth, the super wealthy don't necessarily exhibit high incomes, um, but they certainly have high assets. So... Anyway, there's a link to um, there's a, a sort of a, a table in the show notes about that. And there's also a link to a quiz which I sent you, Scott, which was from the ABC, where basically, ABC, yeah, yeah uh, I've got a link there that says check out the quiz, dear listener. And what you need to do, click on the quiz, and what it will do is say to you, where do you sit in terms of average Australia in your income? And there's like a... Uh, a, a, a graph or a line that you need to put yourself where you think you are and and then you plug in your income and it will tell you how good your guess was and um, uh, that's instructive. So, Scott, did you get close? I came very close. I had myself in the top 13%, but I'm in the top 12% of the income earners. So, there you go. Yeah. Very close. So, hmm. yeah. Yep. Um Right. What else did we need to say? Um, Dom, you had some topic as well. Was there any other topic, Dom, that you wanted to cover? Identity politics. Identity politics really makes me angry. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which particular... Yeah, you're not the only one, Dominic. Which, which particular oh, branch of identity politics really gets to you? It, it, it's it's a whole range of different things, but but mainly the fact that um, you know it's really um, 
it's not about who you are as an individual. It's about which group you belong to, and you know, having to preface with, you know, I'm I'm a privileged white male, and as a, as a privileged white male, here's my point of view, and it really shouldn't matter. And um, there's there's lots of things that make me angry about it, but, but um, things are going on in American colleges that are now starting to come over here to Australia. Yep. Um, you know, lack of free speech and people protesting against um, certain people because they may incite violence or cause other people to be offended. And um, just the sort of just the sort of carry on that goes on with, with the left about it. Yeah. Try and try and try and understand what they what they what they try and do. And I, sometimes I think they do come from a good point. But um, you know, the sooner we drop identity politics and go back to something more like Martin Luther King, you know, that would be judged by the character of the co- content of the character, not your um, colour. Mm. It'd be far better off. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. It, it's, you know, I, I go back to many, many moons ago when um, David Irving, the uh, controversial historian that denies the Holocaust, was coming to Australia and he couldn't get a visa. And I remember Darren Hinch was um, railing against that. And he said, look, you should let him in. You should mock him and all that sort of thing. But you've got to let him in. You've got to let him in. You've got to listen to him. You know, it, it's – I do not understand this whole deplatforming thing that is taking place across the U.S. It makes no sense whatsoever that you've got people that cannot stand the thought of a conservative speaking. It makes no sense whatsoever. Mm. Ayame, any thoughts on identity politics? I think anyone should be able to say what they want, and David Irving should have been allowed into Australia. But when it comes to newspapers and journalists, I think anyone who doesn't do their fact-checking properly should be fired on the spot. Fired on the spot for... for uh, well, they went... <laughs> yeah. Well... The problem, the problem is most of them are bloggers and just don't work for a young contractors who don't work for a media corporation. Yeah. See, well, that's part of the problem is that they're so overworked, the ones who are there, that they're basically taking press releases from different groups and just cutting and pasting it into the newspapers as, as content uh, is sort of what happens a lot of the time, I think. And they don't have time to investigate and look into things. And, you know, the, the, the newspaper owners don't care. They just want cheap content that that is in line with their political views and whether it's true or not is a <laughs> it doesn't really matter uh, unfortunately yeah. I, I do i do have a very nuanced view though about freedom of speech as well where mm. there's some things like um well that guy david irving whatever should should have been allowed in uh, but then when we come to things like andy vax um people who come from the company US and have a conference here you know, that sort of people you should be able to prevent because you know it's against the science and it's causing a lot of harm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I tend not to agree with you there, I'm afraid. it's. I understand exactly where you're coming from, but I think you've got to let people, you've got to let people in and you've then got to have a situation where you can just, you know, heckle them, I think. You, you've got to be able to say, look, you're an idiot you know, what you're saying makes absolutely no sense, so you should shut up. You know, 
that's just my opinion. I, I, I just don't think that uh, you can uh, lock people out. You know, I understand where you're coming from, but I just can't agree with you on that. Ayama, hey, um, uh, is David Irving the, the anti-vaxxer, is he? Is that who he is? No, he's the, oh. he's the uh, sorry. Nazi, the Holocaust denier. Ah, oh, ah, right. Okay, it's a tricky one. Uh, I, I think we've had this discussion with before, where I've sort of talked about if you knew that an anti-vaxxer was going to convince enough people that some people will be harmed, um, it's tricky. You wouldn't allow a toaster in that you knew was going to harm people, and yet you're allowing. Uh, speech in that you know is going to harm people and that's yeah. how I think of it I'll base it on that that same that thing so if something's clearly going to convince people and cause some harm it should be prevented but someone like you know someone has a contrary opinion to climate change or whatever yeah again let them let them do their thing because yeah. um you know and, and, and it's not really harming anyone in general but it, you could say it could harm a lot of people down the track you know cities mm. flood yeah. See, getting and back if, to if we if they make um if they make vaccines mandatory, then anti-vaxxers can say what they like, but they will probably be able to hurt anybody. Hopefully. Well, that's true. There's a solution there. Is just make it mandatory. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, one of the reasons I think uh, we've got the problem with identity politics, Dom, is is often. The person who is promoting their identity is part of a minority oppressed group. And our natural human inclination is to try and redress that sort of oppression and disadvantage and to sort of, um, in feeling sorry for them, accept whatever solution they might come up with, um, which might be to accentuate their identity and... Um, it's very difficult to say to somebody who's in a disadvantaged, depressed situation, well, actually, your thoughts on how to solve your situation are actually wrong, um, and uh, here's the reason why. It doesn't go down too well. That's, that's part of the appeal of identity politics is that it is, um, it, it's sort of comforting to the oppressed minority. Uh, so... Um, yeah, I think that's that's one of the reasons it comes about. Mm. To to avoid more to to avoid um, discrimination and avoid um, inequality, you can't have more inequality. You know what, what we need is, is is more equality across the board. And you have, um, you know, I, I had this internet argument with this friend, um, or Facebook friend, anyway, years ago, and um, he eventually blocked me because of. Um, Comments around Black Lives Matter. We used to always point out that Black Lives Matter was a great call and all this and that. When he was pointing out things that Black Lives Matter weren't so um, virtuous as, they, as we first thought, that um, he started blocking me. You know, if, imagine if Black Lives Matter came up with the slogan, All Lives Matter, we want equal treatment. Now, who, who could not be behind that? Yeah. But when, when you point out Black Lives Matter or over everybody else's, you know, just because your ancestors have been uh, hard done by, and, and, and a lot of um, black people are hard done by in America these days. Yep. But, um, you know, if you're, looking for, if you're looking for sympathy, why not become part of the, the larger group? Say, so we want in, and that's all we want. Yeah, yep, 
Yep. It's hard to argue against that. Yeah. Just a, sort of a kind of a related example is uh, recently in Canada, the Quebec legislators have voted to bring into a law that bans some public servants from wearing religious symbols. And um, and there was talk about, for some reason, about that Malalia Yousafzai? Yousafzai. You know, the girl who was attacked in a bus and barely held on to life and then ended up winning Nobel Prize? Yeah. So the education minister... In Quebec, said in a tweet that if uh, if Pakistani activist Malalia wanted to teach in Quebec, it would be an honour. But like in other open and tolerant countries, teachers can't wear religious symbols while they exercise their functions. So they sort of brought in a law, and 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 then sort of questioned, well, what about that poor girl? You surely you wouldn't impose a law like that on a poor person like that. But you know he's he's backed himself and said, well, actually we would, uh, and there's good reasons for it. So it's sometimes difficult for people to see beyond uh, disadvantage and look at uh, at principle and how it applies. So, yeah, uh, you know, slightly off-topic example, I'll admit, but anyway, the best I could come up with. Yeah. Um, gentlemen, uh, I am, as I said before, on the Gold Coast, I've got... I'm tethering to create a Skype connection. My wife's phone I'm having to use because I went through all my data and she said to me, you better make this a short podcast because <laughs> <laughs> you're using my data. And I said, oh, okay, I will. So, um, so we're going to wrap up uh, episode 210 unless somebody had something urgent or important that they wanted to add. Ayame, um, do you have anything you want to add? Yes, um, yes, I read an article. It's an old one. But it's about a Ugandan woman who's only 39, but she's had more than 40 children. Now, that's obviously because Uganda is very, very Christian and very, very misogynistic. Mm. She calls her children a blessing from God, but I think five or six of them have already died. So that just goes to show how harmful the brainwashing is. Well, do you know who is the main body responsible for the lack of birth control in developing countries, Ayame? The Catholic Church, of course. Indeed it is. You're spot on. The Vatican, indeed. So the Vatican in the UN has, you know, that's been their main function in the UN is to walk the corridors of power and to kibosh any attempt to introduce birth control methods in developing countries. So, uh, you know, plenty of clear evidence that the Catholic Church is... Uh, behind that one. So, Ayame, because um, you're uh, muting in and out, I'll uh, thank you, Ayame, for for being a long-standing patron. Like, you've been with us for ages and it is much appreciated and I call out your name when I do. Thank and you I, very and, much, and, Ayame. And think of you up there in Japan supporting us. So, thank you for your continued support, Ayame. No problem. It's a pleasure. Thanks again. Yep. yep. And, Dom, thank you for chiming in again. And... Um, uh, Dom, are you in Canberra? I can't remember. Are you, for some reason, I think you're in Canberra. No, no, no. I'm oh. um, mid North Coast. Okay, okay. New South Wales. Yeah. yeah, no problem. So, Dom, thanks for uh, for joining us on this occasion, and we'll uh, thank you for being a patron as well. And uh, we'll be in contact with you down the track again at another time. You're thanks, welcome. thanks, Dom. Uh, 
Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Yep. And no uh, problem at all. Dear listener, that's the end of episode 210, and we'll be back to normal programming next week. And, you know, dear listener, uh, a few things in the wings. Look at it, Scott, and this is good news for you, Scott. I think I'd like to make some videos and maybe a Facebook Live feed, and we could, uh, we could, we could um, sort of transmit our podcast Facebook Live and people could leave comments and then, of course, it'll be recorded and people can just listen to the podcast in their app as they normally do. But um, I think that's something we'll try and experiment with over the next couple of weeks. So look out for that. All right. uh, Absolutely. Thank you very much, dear listener. Tune in again next week. Uh, Bye for now. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye now. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think is a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, Is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.